I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word and join me in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2, and we'll spend our time this morning, verses 1 through 21. Luke chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, there should be some in the back of the seats around you. If you don't own a Bible, I want to encourage you to take that home with you as our gift. I want to encourage you, every single one of us, that what we desperately need is to spend time in God's Word because that is what bears fruit in our lives. As we look at the text this morning, as we continue on in our series talking about the original, the true songs of Christmas, we're going to look this morning at the angels' song. So two weeks ago, we looked at Mary's song. Last week, we looked at Zechariah's song. This week, we're going to look at the angels' song. And as we begin to do that, I want to lay all of us bear right now in honesty, how many of you have ever broken a promise that you made? How many of you are lying? (laughs) Broken promises. I don't know if you remember the very first time you broke a promise, but I do, because it was around this time of year. I was about eight years old. It was Christmas. I had gone shopping with my dad for my mom. And my dad had bought my mom a beautiful gold bracelet. And my dad looked at me after making the purchase and he said, son, listen to me. Do not, under any circumstances, Tell your mom what I got her for Christmas. Dad, I won't tell anybody. About two hours later, (laughs) my mom knew that we had gone shopping and she said, Michael, what'd your dad buy me for Christmas? Right? I know. What kind of mom does that? So she asked the question, what'd your dad buy? So, but I had made a promise, right? I had said to my dad, under no circumstances will I tell anyone what you bought mom for Christmas. So I told my mom, I can't tell you what dad bought you for Christmas because he made me promise. And she said, okay, why don't you just describe it? So in my eight-year-old mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to tell her. So I said, well, it's round, and it's gold, and you wear it on a wrist, and it's not a watch. (laughs) Hence, I broke my promise to my dad. You know, one of the amazing things about the Christmas story is that it is a story of promises kept. It is a story of God doing exactly what he promised he would do. And so as we read the text this morning and as we walk back through the angel's song, 
I want us to reflect on that reality, that God is a God who keeps his promises. And as we read through the story, we're going to unpack that together and be reminded once again that this Christmas story is a story of a promise that has been kept. Luke, in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, writes these words, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. The Christmas story. We're reminded of what a not really magical time it was in Joseph and Mary's life at the beginning. In fact, if you remember the story back earlier in Luke chapter 1, God had sent an angel to Mary and said to her, I know that you are not yet married to Joseph, but I have chosen for you to bear the Christ child, for you to be the mom 
of the Savior. You know, it's a beautiful song, Mary, Did You Know? But it's really bad theology. Because Mary did know. She did know that she would bear the Christ child. She knew who Jesus would be. That conceived of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, come down to this earth, taking on flesh, taking on skin. Mary knew that this baby would be the Savior that they had longed for, that God had promised that He would send. And yet it wasn't an easy task. In fact, when she told Joseph that God had chosen her to bear the Christ child and that she had conceived a son of the Holy Spirit, he said, what? That makes no sense. Until the Lord spoke to him as well and said, yes, this is exactly what I have chosen to do and this is what is taking place right now. And yet in the midst of all of this, as she is pregnant with this child and nearing the time to give birth, she has to take a journey to the city of Bethlehem to fulfill what the Roman government at that point had instituted, and that was that a census was to be taken. And so all of this is taking place, and she finds herself in a strange location without a place to really lay her head or to give birth to this baby, and it's time. She gives birth to Jesus. There wasn't a ton of fanfare where she gave birth to Jesus. But if you noticed in the text, and what we're going to focus in on this morning is There was a declaration, beginning in verse 8. It says, in the same region, that's the region of Bethlehem where they were, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. One of the things that you need to understand about shepherds is that if you were going to entrust a message to a group of people, a message of good news, a message of salvation, a message of the Christ child coming to this earth, you wouldn't do it with a group of shepherds. In fact, in this culture, shepherds were looked at at the very bottom of society, It was not a job as you were growing up that you said, I think I'd like to be a shepherd. And yet, isn't it interesting that it is shepherds who first hear that the Savior has been born. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, to these shepherds out in the field, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. They were terrified. They were going about their business just like they normally did. They were caring for the flocks. They were out under the stars and all of a sudden an angel appears. And not only that, it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. So just catch that picture in your mind for a little bit and think about what they must have endured during this time. Absolutely terrified. What is happening? I love the words of the angel. Fear not. That would have been helpful about five minutes ago, right? Give us forewarning. Let us know. 
But the angel says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Notice verse 13. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. So the angel delivers the message to the shepherds. The angel says, the Christ child has been born. You have been waiting. You have been looking. You have been longing for the Savior to come. The, God has promised that he would send someone in Genesis 3.15 to crush the head of the serpent. That Savior is here. This is good news. This is great joy. This you should be absolutely excited about. And the exclamation point on the end of this declaration is a heavenly host. I've wondered, how many were there? And it says heavenly host here. It doesn't just say there were more angels You begin to move into the book of Revelation or you look back at Isaiah chapter 6 and see the throne room of the Lord as Isaiah saw it and you realize that there are fascinating, incredible creatures around the throne of the Lord who are constantly, day after day, crying out, holy, holy, holy. So in this moment, the exclamation point at the end of this declaration by the angel is a heavenly host. I mean, I have to think, it was a spectacular light show. I mean, it was better than Disney. I just heard somebody's feelings. It was. The entire heavenly host in unison begin praising God. And I want you to notice their song here. It's short. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. As you look back, and we talked about Mary's song, that Mary's song of praise should be our song of praise. Mary's song was pretty lengthy. As you look at Zechariah's song of praise, it was pretty lengthy. The angels are known for their brevity here. It's not a long song, but I want you to know this morning, it is packed with incredible truth about why God is deserving of our praise. Let's look at the first truth that God is deserving of our praise because He is worthy. I want you to notice the beginning of verse 14. The first word, glory, Glory. Glory to God in the highest. The angels begin this song with glory to God in the highest. Why do they begin there? Why do they start the song in that way? Why in praising the Lord do they begin here by saying glory to God in the highest? 
What's interesting about this phrase is the fact that they are praising God because there is none like Him in all the world. They are lifting high the name of God because He is outside of anything that we could ever imagine could be as incredible as Him. As they say glory to God here, they are reminding not only the shepherds, but us as we're reading it some 2,000 years later, that God is incredible. That God is amazing. That there is no one like Him. That when you look at Him, when you consider His ways and His works, no one compares when you consider what He's done and the way in which He's done it, there is no one who measures up to His standard. There is no one that if you were to put in a category with Him could ever come close to being in His league. And the angels here are simply declaring that. They are reminding the shepherds and us that the God that we worship is incomparable. He is incredible. There is no one that measures up to Him. That He is deserving of all worship and praise because He deserves every ounce of praise that we could muster from the depths of our soul. He deserves it. He is worthy to receive it. You know, it's interesting that the angels begin in this way because as you look back through the Old Testament, at any point when someone has come as close as you can to the Lord face to face, though Moses would say you can't even look God, you just see His glory as it goes by. What you see is this exact picture. That in this moment, The angels are describing what every single person when they've come face to face with the Lord has said. I can't explain it. It's amazing. He is incredible. He is worthy of praise. There's no one that matches his standard. There's no one that can compare to him. As Moses was interacting with the Lord, he said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, you'll die if you see it. That is the God that we are worshiping. That is the God that these angels are praising. For Moses, the Lord says, I'll give you just a glimpse of it. Just a a smidgen of it. And the Lord tucks him in the cleft of a rock so that he can't see and the Lord passes by and Moses just catches a glimpse of his glory. Not even him physically, but a glimpse of his glory and Moses is speechless. In fact, Moses' face after that is shining so brightly that he has to wear a veil because the glory of the Lord is that spectacular. And then as you move forward in the Old Testament, you see Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 in the throne room of the Lord. And Isaiah can't hardly describe in words how spectacular and amazing God is. And then as you move forward into the New Testament, even with Jesus, you see he's transfigured on the 
mountain that even his disciples are absolutely stunned by his glory. And then as you look even further, as you see the Holy Spirit at work in the book of Acts, as we recently covered that book as a church family over this last year, we see that the Holy Spirit is at work in ways that are just mind-boggling. So for the angels here, what they're saying to the shepherds and to us is that God is worthy. That he is deserving of our praise. He is deserving of our worship. He is deserving of us looking and saying, wow, he's incredible. Wow. I can't hardly put it into words. I want you to notice that they continue. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now think about that. God is deserving of praise because he is worthy, but here's the second truth. God is deserving of praise because he brings peace. What's the opposite of peace? Somebody's like, hang on, let me look that up. The opposite of peace is war or chaos. So think about as the angel is declaring with the heavenly host, God is deserving of worship. God is deserving of praise. God is deserving of glory because in the Savior coming, He brings peace in chaos. He brings peace in war. Well, now we got to back up and ask the question, well, what kind of chaos are we talking about? What kind of war are we talking about? Well, we're talking about all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve, instead of walking in obedience to the Father, say, no, we're going to do our thing our way. And instead of obeying God, they broke the commandment that he had given them not to eat of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that, they sinned and broke the relationship that they had with him. And as we look, what we recognize is that that same sin curse affects every single one of us. There's not a person who is in this room right now who is not born a sinner. And if you don't believe that, serve in our kids' ministry for just a little bit. Isn't it interesting that you don't ever have to teach your kid to say no? When you tell them to do something, no. You don't have to teach them to steal something from someone else. They want a toy, they go and take it. And the reason is because every single one of us is born with a sin nature and we sin in direct rebellion against God. So why is there chaos? There's chaos because of sin in this world. Our world is broken and shattered because of sin. Sin that entered 
the world in Genesis chapter three, and ever since that moment, God's promise has been that he would provide a way to be forgiven of our sin. He would provide a way for peace to be realized, for us to no longer be at war or at enmity with the Father, but for us to be forgiven of our sins and brought into a right relationship with our Heavenly Father the way that we were intended. And here the angels and all the heavenly host are declaring that this child, is the Savior who is going to bring that to bear. And I want you to notice that this was not God's plan B. That sending His Son Jesus was not an afterthought. It wasn't a moment where He said, gosh, I didn't see that coming. We gotta figure out how to fix this sin problem Who wants to volunteer? It's not how it worked. In fact, the scripture tells us from before the foundation of the world that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, was slain to forgive us of our sins and make us right with our Heavenly Father. Not only is God deserving of praise because He's worthy, He's deserving of praise because He brings peace. I want you to notice this last truth. God is deserving of praise because He keeps His promises. You know, as you look at verse 14, I want to call your attention back to the book of Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, and I want you to hear these words from the prophet. Thousands of years before Jesus Christ stepped foot here in Luke chapter 2, notice under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what Isaiah records. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, And of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah was looking forward Luke chapter 2 looks at the moment. For us today, we have the privilege of looking back. Of looking back and seeing once again, God keep His promise. God keep His promise of sending His Son to this earth to save us from our sin. The question lies before us this morning. Have we received that great gift that the Father's made possible through His Son? Have we experienced the peace that can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ? You may be here this morning and you've never taken that step. 
You've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, of being forgiven of your sins, of going from chaos to being in peace in your relationship with the Father. The good news about the Christmas story is that that can be your story of experiencing the peace that only a relationship with Jesus Christ can bring. That in this story, as the angels and the heavenly host are praising God for what he's done, you today, if you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can experience what this has made possible for you. In just a little while, we... We're going to close out our service, and I want to give you a chance. If you know that that's the step that you need to take of trusting Jesus as your Savior, that you have an opportunity as we lead up into this Christmas week to take that step. For the believer who's here this morning, I want you to notice what happens on the back end of the angels and the heavenly hosts declaring to the shepherds, why God is deserving of praise. It says, the angels went away from them, verse 15, into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem. Let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Imagine that story being told. As the shepherds show up on the scene, as they say, you'll not believe this, but we just had a visitation from heaven. And what we've been told is that this child is the Savior that we've long been waiting for. It says in verse 18, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Notice verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. I'm willing to say that on their journey back, there was not a single person that they encountered that they didn't tell about what had happened. That every person that they met on the way, and think about over the next days and weeks and months and years ahead, can you imagine the story? Can you imagine them sharing what they had seen, what they had witnessed, who this child is? They were sharing and praising what God had done. Let me ask you this morning, Christian, would that describe you? That when you reflect on the reality of who God is, that he is deserving of praise, when you look and you recognize that through his son, Jesus Christ, you have been brought into peace with him. When you look forward and recognize that a day is coming when the Savior, Jesus Christ, will return and set up his kingdom and reign in all justice and all righteousness in all peace, 
Is that what is on the tip of your tongue? I thought about it in light of the season in which we're in, this crazy COVID year that we've experienced. And what I've recognized and what I've seen is that the same thing that people are looking for two years ago, last year, 30 years ago, hasn't changed. They are looking for peace. They are looking for hope. They are wondering, is life worth living? And if so, what is the purpose of life? And at this time of year, we have an incredible opportunity as believers who have experienced this Christmas story, have experienced this peace that can only be found in relationship with Jesus Christ. We have the privilege and the opportunity to be just like these shepherds. That we are the first ones praising God for what he's done. That we are the first ones declaring to other people who Jesus is. Why we celebrate his birth this time of year. The presents are great. The decorations are great. The light scavenger hunt tonight is going to be great. The cookies are great. But it's all about Jesus Christ. Over the Thanksgiving break, I was at my parents' house and went for a run. And I'm a little bit different. I listen to books when I run. It's a little strange. But I was listening to a book, and it was interesting, especially in this year that we've experienced. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but if someone close by you sneezes, Kind of slide over a bit, don't you? Or you look at them or kind of wonder. But as I was listening to this book, the title of it's Purple Cow by a guy named Seth Godin. He talks about why certain products that are made or invented, why they thrive, why they hit this point where it seems like everybody just needs to have it. And he said, what you have is a group of early adopters, people who, when the latest technology comes out, they are going to buy it. It doesn't matter what. He said, but then you have this next group. And he says, if they ever get a hold of this product and they become passionate about it, he calls them the sneezers. And he says, they can't help but sneeze and spread word about the product. So I'm running and I'm thinking, what a year to think about the reality that for us as believers who have received the greatest gift that has ever been given, in a crazy pandemic year, in a year where you're not supposed to sneeze, or if you do, cover your mouth, go somewhere else, right? But for us as believers, we should be sneezing the truth of the Christmas story every single opportunity we get, spreading the truth of who Jesus Christ is 
and what he's done. I want to ask you this morning if you would bow your heads with me and you'd close your eyes. Our worship team will make their way back up and we'll have an opportunity for us this morning to respond to God's word. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I just want to ask a simple question. Have you ever taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior? You've heard once again the Christmas story today. The truth of who Jesus is. The truth of why He came. The truth of how you can be forgiven of your sin which separates you from a relationship with the Father. And the simple question is, have you received that gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? If you've not taken that step of receiving that gift, you can take that step today. Right where you sit now. You can pray a simple prayer, and there's no magic in the prayer. It's just simply expressing from your heart to the Lord your desire to receive Jesus as your Savior. But if you need to take that step, you can pray a simple prayer like this. God, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that I need to be forgiven of my sin. And I believe that the only way that I can be forgiven is by receiving the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. That his death on the cross paid for my sin. And his resurrection secures that gift for me. And I place my faith and trust in him as my savior. If you've taken the step of praying that prayer, I want to encourage you to let us know that. You can let us know that through a connection card and the bulletin in just a few minutes as we begin to sing. I want to encourage you to step out and to come and to meet me in the foyer and just share with me, Pastor Michael, I prayed that prayer today. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, you've already taken that step. I want to ask you a simple question. Who knows it? Who knows what Christ has done in your life? And then who needs to? Is it a coworker? Is it a neighbor? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? That you need to share what Christ has done in your life with them. 
I want to ask you this morning to make the commitment that sometime over the course of this next week that you'll take the opportunity of sharing what Christ has done in your life with that person. As we get ready to sing here in just a minute, I want to encourage you, whether you want to kneel right where you are or you want to come down to the front and kneel here at this altar and pray for that person that God has laid on your heart that you know needs to hear who Jesus is and what he's done. And I want to encourage you to respond this morning. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you are deserving of our praise. You are deserving of our worship. There is no one like you. Thank you that you've made it possible for us to move from chaos to peace through a relationship with your son, Jesus. Thank you that you keep your promises. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you to stand, encourage you to respond to the Lord this morning. If you want to come and pray, the altar is open right here. I want to encourage you to do that. If you prayed that prayer and you need to share that, I want to encourage you as I head back to the foyer to step out right now and meet me back there.